filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. Friday night, I went uh, to confess something to you all. So, and I, and I hope you will give me penance. Uh, though I might need like an act of contrition or something. Uh, so, I'm sure we'll come up with something. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. So on Friday, I went to the 9:30 club for the very first time. You know what? I'm not going to force an act of contrition because you have atoned for your sins by now having gone to the 930 club. Yeah, and it was it was peace unto you my son. What kind of soft religion is this? <laughs> I'm <laughs> I've already been absolved. Man, <laughs> I mean, Jason, you're free to Old Testament Adam. <laughs> I'm 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 much more hippie new age <laughs> religion to the extent so that I'm would- religion. So we went up to the 930 Club to see Motion City Soundtrack, one of my wife's favorite bands, because it is their farewell tour. And when we bought tickets, we they hadn't announced their Richmond date yet. Uh, so now you're going to see them. We might. We haven't decided yet. But um, yeah, we stood up on the balcony, which was really nice. I don't like getting way up into like the middle of crowds at shows. Uh, We're old, Ben. Yes. This is this, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when Anne Louise and I have gone to the nine thirty club, we try to get up in the balcony if we can. If we show up late, you know, there's not really any spots on the rail and you can't see anything. So we're down on the floor, and she's not super tall, my wife, and so it can be interesting trying to get to a spot where we can see anything. <laughs> yeah. Luckily for us, we were not on the rail, but the people in front of us were short, and my wife is taller than the average woman. So we were able to see over and have a really good experience. Nice. Show was good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. 930 is a great venue. Um, it, I think it was named one of the best. Oh yeah. And pretty much anyone in the country. Yeah. Pretty much anyone that goes on tour on a regular basis and has played there is like, this is the best place. Um, yeah. Yeah. While I was there, I was thinking, I was like ranking venues I've been to in my head and 930 was definitely in the top three. And just for our Virginia, some of our Virginia listeners, the Norva is at the bottom. The Norva is terrible. <laughs> I don't care Norfolk people. The Norva is bad. The only one that, the only other like kind of venue of that size that I've been to that kind of compares, and it's it's actually laid out very differently, but that that is of a similar quality is the Metro in Chicago for me. I, mm. I love that place. I went there in college, um, dri- driving up from Purdue and. If you go to the balcony there, it's much more like a like a Broadway theater and that the balcony feels like you're just hovering over the stage, you're looking straight down at them. So you can uh, see yeah. you can see the pit in front of them and it, you know, went for a you know, a a heavy show. So there was there was a mosh pit down there. Mm-hmm. Um and and you could see them going at it, but you couldn't see all of it. It just looked like and it went back and kept going. You didn't know how far back it went. But uh, then you're just cool. over the stage and just looking straight down at the the band, which is pretty cool. Yeah. My favorite part about uh the national Richmond's uh club of that equivalent size is that it's an old nineteen twenties uh stage theater and then and then they tore out all the chairs, obviously. And so the it's very wide and not nearly and not as deep and the floor is sloped up. So if you're standing further back, you can still see much better than a venue with a flat floor. I was just thinking, you know, if you're in the pit, that sounds safe. Slanted floors. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, hey, welcome in. This is filibuster, the black and red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor joined as always by Ben Bromley, Jason Anderson. We're all from black and red united.com where we finally get to write more about DC United after a little bit of a hiatus during the Copa America. DC United is back this week. We're writing about Copa America too. Don't worry. And we're talking about that tonight to start things off. In fact, we're also going to talk about the U S open cup. 
which is awesome. It's a wonderful tournament. If you are not into it, you're wrong. Uh, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the return of Major League Soccer. DC United goes to Houston this Saturday night to play the Houston Dynamo, and we'll have our good friend Alicia Tolar back on the show to help us preview that one. Before we do anything, though, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I spent uh, some time today trying to think of something to make for the show. Um, trying to think of a different drink that I never had before, and then I got real lazy, and uh, I just ended up opening a beer. Um, so, like so many stories, this one ends the yes, same way. There's there's high ambition at like eleven a.m. and then come like <laughs> seven thirty eight o'clock, it's like mm, that I can barely get anything going. Um, so I've got uh, Monocacy Brewing. Uh, it's a another Maryland brewery. Um, they're Riot Rye. It's a rye pale ale. Um, and it's, it's, I, this is the first time I've had it, this first six pack that I've had, and it's really good. It's got like a nice, um, fruitiness, uh, on the, the pale ale side, but the rye is definitely present as well. So it's a, a pretty good mix of those two things, um, which is, is kind of hard to pull off. I, I feel like a lot of breweries struggle with that, but this is, uh, if you like any sort of rye in your beer, this is a good one if you go find it. And there is a, uh, the, the photo is of some people, uh, with torches and pitchforks storming a field full of, uh, of hops. <laughs> Are they, we assume they're violently harvesting the hops. They're rioting at the hops. <laughs> is, is it a super hoppy pale ale? This rye pale ale of yours? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would say, I wouldn't go so far as say super, but it's pretty close. It's pretty aggressive, but not overly aggressive. Right, right. It's not one of these like stunt beers where it's like, how, how much uh, could we jam in? And it's just a glass full of actual hops. It's not even a liquid. Right. Um, you just open it up and sort of tap the hop dust out into your glass and then chew on the leaves. And then tell your tell everyone that this is this is good. I'm having a good time. No, it's not. It's not like that. Please clap. <laughs> ben, what are you drinking? So I have decided to uh, call upon my black magics, uh, spelled with a K, obviously. And stop, stop. Jason, assign penance. <laughs> he has to do an act of contrition now. <laughs> that was unacceptable. I I don't really feel too strongly about that one. Um, <laughs> ben, just do a laugh around your house. Okay. After the show, immediately. So I- I decided to uh, inhabit Adam's body with my black magics, and I made myself a gin ricky. Nice. Um, with a my club soda is a uh, Dasani tropical pineapple club soda because that's all we had. And how's that working out for you? Fine. It's it's not it's not. There's no sugar in it. Okay. It's just water with a hint of pineapple flavoring. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so it's not bad. You you don't really notice the pineapple at all. All right, that's good. Uh, I'm a purist when it comes to my Ricky, and unless you want to get just, really creative and intentionally so. I just never have club, just regular old club soda in the house. Is all. I, that sounds like a personal failing. You should remedy. I tend to make Probably. my sparkling mineral water. Rather okay, than that's. Club, ooh, I should do that. I've, I've, I, I, I found that that turns out pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I can see that playing well with the gin. A, pe- yeah. a Pellegrino Ricky does sound good. At the other end of the spectrum, we have my drink tonight. I have still don't have rum in the house because, damn it, if I'm buying any. And people who have been listening to this know the saga that's been going on with this. Um, But I feel like I cannot drink an enjoyable drink to start the show until DC United wins again or loses with me drinking crap. So... Uh, no, I don't. I don't think we'll allow that. I mean, in, at some point, I will find a reason to stop doing this. But until then, uh, tonight I did not have any rum and was not prepared for the show. So we get on before the show to kind of you know chat a little bit, build our rhythm. And I admitted to Ben and Jason that I don't have a drink, and said, "What should I drink tonight?" And Ben says rum. I say, "No, I don't have any." And he tells me to go buy some bad rum because Rodrigo. he's Ben. Yes, I say no to that. And Jason just blurts out. Pims, straight from the bottle. Cheers. <laughs> I know Adam has because I've been to his house. Or at least I guessed he had. because he. And 
did have it at one point. Wow, that is not pleasant. Um, <laughs> can you guys confirm that I just did that straight no, from he the did. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, and yeah, again. He did it again. You just, might have actually heard a little bit of a liquid splash in, in the bottle. Um, that is that is Pim's. He showed us the label earlier, and it's the same bottle yeah. from before. Uh, so unless right. he's pulling a very complicated switcheroo. Uh, right, unless he poured bullet into a bottle of Pim's. No, it's a different color. It's a it's not the same color as whiskey. Yeah. It's a little bit redder, a little bit uh, thinner, or a little more translucent. Anyway, uh, Pim's cups can be delicious. Pim's by itself at room temperature is decidedly not. Let's talk soccer, for the love of God. The United you have to States sometimes. Yes, you do. <laughs> the United States not only got out of their group, as Ben pops a beverage. Uh, but but also won Group A in Copa America after uh, Colombia completely crapped the bed against Costa Rica. They were already through, so it didn't matter much to them. Um, but Costa Rica did us a solid, except now we have to play Ecuador. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, mostly, though, I just want to... Can we just talk about John Brooks for a minute? And, and just maybe even a moment of quiet appreciation and recognition of the badassity of John Brooks because he had a game, man. Yeah. He pretty much dominated, uh, that game. Uh, it's kind of actually really, he kind of dominated both, uh, of the last two games, uh, against, uh, against Costa Rica as well as against Paraguay. Um, it would have been nice if he didn't have so much to do. Yes. Um, and that would have been better. That uh, that's a situation that's on one of his fellow defenders more than anyone. Uh, though it's not entirely on uh DeAndre Yedlin for getting himself sent off uh, in an incredibly nonsensical fashion. <laughs> and I, and I'm not saying that to support him. I'm not saying it was a nonsensical red card. I'm saying I'm saying it was nonsensical for him to pick up those yellow cards. Both of those yes. were dumb. Um, yes, very, very. And he could have gotten another yellow card previous yeah, he, to that he for already arm barring the guy in a head. Um. And then he wanted to argue that the first foul, he's like, oh, I got the ball. It's like, yes, but you launched yourself in a way that was a clear attempt to remove the leg of another player from their body, um, which is not okay. Uh, This is not 1987. Uh, You're not playing murder ball anymore. Um, The sport we want to watch is not the sport in which uh, players are leaving the field on a stretcher. Um, So even though he got the ball, it was still a yellow card offense. And then he followed it up with an even worse tackle moments later um, while he was still angry. Like he hadn't even had time to take that half second. Yeah, it was like, like 30 seconds right, later. You know, I've got a game to play here. I can't just continue being in a blind rage. Um, so that would have been nice. It would have been very pleasant for uh, Brooks to have an easier day. And he probably would have had an easier day uh, without the the red card and also if Paraguay had been fully eliminated coming into the game rather than having their technically still alive uh at the time um if they had overhauled if they had gotten to 2-1 would they have gone through I think that's correct right um if they had won the game at all yeah if yeah. they had won they yeah, were, yeah, they were yeah. Taking, yeah um so they were playing you know for their lives and uh they threw everything forward as much as they can. Fortunately for us, Paraguay isn't a particularly talented team on offense, but they still ended up taking like 19 or 20 shots and Brooks ended up, you know, his, um, his chalkboard. If you go to any of the stat aggregating sites for games, if you look at his chalkboard for the game, it's just like a big blur of John Brooks activity, uh, in and around the U S box. Um, it's like a, it's like a hurricane on a weather map. Um, so he, uh, you know, it, what's good with that is to see him not just doing the emergency defending and not just winning physical battles, but doing a lot of other stuff like stepping into play and making tackles before he's having to dive in inside the box to be a hero. Um, seeing him step Although, forward and defuse things is also that's the that's the next step for him because we have to remember Brooks is still very young. And just before we leave him, just. The magnificence that was him diffusing that three on one was well, just amazing. I, can I? I'm Paraguay gonna, Paraguay did us some favors. Yeah, there, I want to go there to be able to. But um, to be able to, I, 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 I still think he, he made a great tackle and he did a great job to make it difficult on Paraguay once they made that choice. But Paraguay did not I mean, run that. Break I, very I will. Well. I will. I will argue that he his the way he held his body encouraged Paraguay 
to play it that way initially. I I feel like there was a distinct moment where Brooks was set up to slow down the three on one and not to defuse it. And Paraguay missed their chance, their chance because in that moment, Brooks was turned the wrong way and the player to the right was an option. And when Paraguay did not take that moment to use that player at all, they essentially discarded him. He might as well have disappeared from the face of the earth and turned it into a two on one. Um, and when you are running a three on one from midfield, one thing you don't want to do is eliminate one of your options immediately uh, for no gain whatsoever. Um if you're if one of your players stops being an option, it has to be for a purpose. And instead, this was like, ah, forget that guy. We don't need him. Um, and that was it. Um, so Brooks, at that point, had a two on one to face, at which point uh, Paraguay went for the most blatantly obvious option, which does, you know, Brooks did slow them down enough that they sort of got inside their own heads. He does deserve credit for that and for the tackle. Um, but for 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 people that maybe don't know how that play should look. Cause let's be honest, how often do you see professional soccer and have a three on one break from midfield against one center back? Um, yeah. that whole thing should never happen. Fabian Johnson shouldn't be diving in for that tackle. Um, but oh, yes, I mean, the rest um, of that, of course, Paraguay's attempt at running this was about as sloppy as you would expect from professionals. Like it, other sure. than somebody falling over the ball. Um, I, I give Brooks a little more credit for inducing some of their errors, but we can agree to disagree. Uh, it that. was, it was, Great from Brooks, but it was also a real mess from Paraguay. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I said that at the time my reaction was that um, the only way it could have gone worse for Paraguay is if somebody pooped their pants in the process of running that 3v1. <laughs> we uh, don't know they didn't. That's true. There's no way for us to know. I mean – I think we would have – They have white shorts. They were wearing white shorts, yeah. That um, would have – But, you know, you never know. <laughs> we can't rule it out. So another guy who impressed at the other end of the field, uh, Bobby Wood, I think, has has been good when he's been played centrally, which Klinsman keeps trying not to do. And basically, uh, for whatever reason, he comes around to see the light at some point in the first half and switches the team to a 4-4-2 instead of a 4-3-3 that doesn't work. And the 4-4-2 really does with this personnel. And so... Ali Bedoya moves out right, and he's been fantastic, by the way. Uh, I might have more to say on him later. Bobby Wood moves centrally, and it just works. It seems to click in a way that that the other myriad lineups he runs out and formations he runs out doesn't, that, 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 that they don't. And I think Bobby Wood is part of that because he works much better centrally than he does out wide to the point that he he looks like a top – like he looks – pretty close to world-class when he's in the middle with some of his finishes and some of his movement. It's, it's really nice to see. Well, he's at full confidence as a center forward right now. Um, That's what he did with union Berlin this season. That's what got him a transfer to the Bundesliga. Um, That is what he is. Uh, That's playing him in his proper position when he's full of confidence in that role. Um, I kind of, he doesn't have to think and play a different role entirely that he's not really good at. And I mean, even when he was coming up and people were like, well, he wants to be a forward, but we're not sure. Maybe we'll use his work rate on the wing. They were putting him on the right at that time um, in, in various, you know, youth levels. And also in Germany, he was being pushed out wide to the right rather than on the left. So he's having to learn a side. He's not used to in a position that he's proven to be not, not very good at it. Just not his thing. Um, the major tournament is really the right time to be forcing players to learn new positions. In my experience, that's just right. that's well, exactly in, in the last six plus years. Yes, that's what we do. Um, but uh, I, has it really been that long? Yes, <laughs> it has. Does it um, seem shorter than that to you? Because it seems longer than that. <laughs> it's been a long six years, man. But uh, with with what the four three three is is trying to accomplish, I get it on a certain level because the idea is that Dempsey doesn't he, he's sort of uh playing as a nine but sort of a false nine he'll drop off um far enough into the midfield that he almost it almost becomes a midfield diamond, and then those wide forwards who are both better as number nines wood and Zardes are both better centrally are trying to make diagonal runs into those positions, but it's a very difficult thing to pull off. Um, and the U S is not very good at those movements. Um, it would take a long, that's the kind of thing that's for a club team more than a national team. If you have a club team and you have a a month of preseason training to work on tactics, 
you might be able to pull that off. Or if you have a, a full season of repetitive games, you might be able to pull it off. National teams don't have that kind of time. Um, so they need to find things that are going to work in a couple of weeks because that's what they've got before they have to start playing competitive games. Um, and it's no coincidence that Wood has instantly looked better playing in the middle. Dempsey has instantly looked better playing as a second forward rather than this weird uh, floating role in which he has to, he has some degree of being the, the person leading the line, which has never been his strong suit. You shouldn't be playing him in that spot. Um, right. he, he can be good in a free role, but you need an, someone to play that number nine spot for him to have that freedom. Right. Um, and, and, you know, Zardes played out on the wing. It just exposes the things that he's not good at, um, in terms of passing, in terms of first touch, um, whether or Are we going to see him against Ecuador? Because hopefully we, we start in this, this four, four, two. No, we're not going to, yeah, he's going to be in. It's going to be a four-three-three. Three. Adam, come on! I think yeah, we'll I see an unchanged lineup for this one, especially because of the gap well, in games. Yedlin, um, except for Yedlin, oh. um, at which point we have the delightful uh, circumstance of choosing between Michael Orozco, who is undroppable, uh, apparently. Michael um, Orozco. Michael Orozco is on the national team. It's like a legal requirement. Um, you pick your squad of twenty-two, and you also have to take Michael Orozco with you. Um, and, God, and this is where. I, I, every time I hear his name, there's that, I, I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who used to listen to best soccer show before it, it ended and they had a drop that one of their callers would call in and, and left on a voicemail, Michael friggin' Orozco Fiscal. <laughs> and it right. goes all the way back to when he was a Roscoe Fiscal, the frustration with him being on the national team right. and he's still there. <laughs> Well, and he still elicits the exact same yeah. emotion. It's incredible. Um, it is yeah, astounding. It's either him or Burnbaum or... Or shifting Fats, Cameron Fabian, out and putting Burnbaum or, or Beasler next to Brooks. Or, right. or pushing Fabian Johnson and, over and put, putting uh, Beasler on the left. Right, which is... That, that last one is not a good option because Matt Beasler is not a left back at all. Um, so that sounds like the one uh, Clinton will do then. I, um, I actually was talking about this with... Um, Thomas Floyd, speaking of people on or on other podcasts um, from Open Wide for some soccer, and he put that out there before it had clicked in my head because we were it was it was in the moments after the card, so we were still going over all the possibilities, and that was what he put up as he said that's the dark horse uh, leader in his head, and I I hesit I you know, I think he's right I don't I don't like that that's correct because it's not a good plan, um, but at the same time. Cameron and Brooks have been so good that there is an argument that you shouldn't disrupt the center back partnership, um, which leaves you with Beasler as a left back or Orozco being on the field. Um, and at which point you have to choose which bad outcome you're willing to live with, essentially. And if you're Ecuador, you've got to be thinking like, all right, our plan if they go this way with their left back is this. Our plan if they go with Orozco on the right is this. And what, we're going to pick on whoever that is. Whichever guy steps in is getting picked on at length um, in this what about, game. What about Perry Kitchen at right back, a position he actually played for a whole season? Well, there was that brief period of time. Five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. The national team <laughs> listed Kitchen as a defender for like three different call-ups. Um, and then no, no, no everyone. I, I think mean, that would be an awful idea. Yeah. Right. Um, All right, guys. Um, I would love to keep talking about the national team, but we do have to move on to talk about the Open Cup before we bring Alicia Tolar on. Um, and she's being a good sport and agreeing to come on late. And so now we're going to talk about the U.S. Open Cup. The fourth round uh, is this Wednesday, uh, all around the country. It's a wonderful tournament. There are four games on Tuesday. so There are four we... games on Tuesday because they were going to put them all in one day, but some teams said, screw that. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So as far as we're concerned, it happens on Wednesday, and it happens at the, that wonderful little stadium in Boyd's, Maryland, the Maryland Soccer Plex. Uh, that'll be Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Uh, DC United is... Not listing any broadcast information, so good luck if you can't make it out to the Plex. Um, United will be hosting the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, who, I'm sorry, Ben, beat the Richmond Kickers in the third round. Nah, never trust a team named the Strikers. And so DC United will be out to avenge their USL affiliates or something. Ben, how much do you love the Open Cup? 
I love it a big. I, I love it a lot. It's I a love great it tournament. Bigly. I love it. Bigly. I love it a big deal. I don't know. I love it so much. I can't speak good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love seeing the lower division teams do well. Obviously, as a fan, not only of DC United but as of uh, as of the Richmond Kickers, and uh, I really got into the Kickers when they made their run to the Open Cup semifinals, beating three MLS teams in the process and giving the Sporting Kansas City their first ever loss in uh, Don't Call It Livestrong Park. Uh, so it, it's it's a great tournament. I love seeing lower division teams do well, except against DC United. And so hopefully that will continue. And I also love seeing, especially last year, the pain and suffering of the NASL as they lose everything. Because, I don't know, I don't like the NASL very much. <laughs> That's totally fair and relevant. So DC United will be running out, we assume, not a full first choice side <laughs> on this one. Uh, I think there will be some necessary overlap with with the first team, at least this weekend, uh, against Houston. Jason, who do you want to see out there for DC United? Well, the first the first name, the, the, the thing at the top of the list for me is I want to see Boucher playing in mid- central midfield, not as a quasi-second forward slash attacking midfielder ahead of the midfield four. I want to see him play as part of the central midfield p- field pairing. Um, I assume we, we heard from Steven Streff today, this is we're recording on Monday, um, that uh, Marcelo was, was rested at practice due to a toe injury that they're trying to make sure it doesn't become a more severe toe injury. So I think he'll be kept in reserve for the weekend. Um, so I'm guessing it would be Jared Jeffrey and, uh, and, and Boucher in the middle. That's what I want to see more than anything else. Um, that's where he belongs. Uh, Boucher in this team, he belongs in that role. And I also think it adds an attacking bent that United needs to have in this game, because when, when we see lower division teams come on the road, in the open cup, the game plays out very similarly. Every time they sit deep, uh, they're looking to counter, uh, Fort Lauderdale played in Edmonton, Canada on turf, uh, yesterday on Sunday. So they're not going to be well rested. They don't want to open game where they're having to run a lot, uh, especially in the early stages and United needs to make sure the tempo is high, um, and, and make them run immediately and, and have to defend a lot. Like, you don't just want a team sitting in defending comfortably. You want them having to work very hard to defend uh, from the start. You want them to feel that they are under pressure defensively, that they're one mistake away from disaster. Um, that's, I think, the key in this game, especially the strikers. Um, I think they they scored and conceded 12 goals in their 10 games in the weird – the way the NASL is set up, they play a 10-game chunk of the season and then they crown a champion and then they play 20 more games and crown a second champion. And then they have playoffs, even though they said they didn't like playoffs um, to be clear. Uh, and I think Ben agrees with me. My problem with the NASL is not the clubs themselves for the most part, except for maybe well, the most of um, and uh, the New York cosmos. I have less of a problem with the cosmos um, in part because they are uh, a constant thorn in the side of two clubs. I definitely don't like in MLS. Well, that's fair. Um, but the NASL itself is run in a way that does not make sense. Um, but in any case, um, oh, and Ryo OKC is just hilarious. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. They're um, already we'll on probably, the block. It's incredible. But, well, they shouldn't have. I mean, realistically, that should have been named, you know, OKC insert American sounding name without investment. Probably shouldn't have existed because there was already a USL club there that was right. in town and not 40 miles but, out but of town. Uh, amazingly enough, they're drawing really well. They're both, drawing like both four or 5,000. Both OKC yeah. clubs draw very well. Good for um, Oklahoma City. That's which is awesome saying. for them. And it kind of underlines them as a potential MLS market. Um, if, and when the NASL club there either is sold or moves or what have you. Um, but in any case, that's not what we're here to discuss. Um, yeah, I, I want to see Boucher. Um, we we in the same report uh, that Marcelo's toe injury is mentioned. Um, Stephen found, uh, or Stephen and the press there all found that um, Al Haji Kamara is apparently fit to play roughly an hour, give or take. Um, so I I anticipate he's going to have to start one of those two games. I, yeah, for sure. I anticipate it'll be the lower pressure game, um, which would be the Open Cup. I know it's a knockout game, so it shouldn't be lower pressure, but realistically most MLS teams don't really start thinking of open cup games as must win until they get to the quarterfinal round. 
And this is not and, that round. So especially in their first game in the Open Cup, Ben Olsen has gone to amazing degrees to try and not start any of his regular MLS starters I in do the think games. That's going to be mitigated a little bit due to the break. Um uh, the, the rest that the team has had uh, in the last two weeks. Um, in the last few years, our op- first Open Cup game always comes in the middle of some sort of uh, blizzard of, of games. Yeah, and um, July is ridiculously slow for right. DC United for some reason. Um, so in this case, I think we are going to see a few regulars. I think um, Opare and Boswell are going to start uh, in central defense. Um I I kind of wonder if Hamid is going to start just because of the fact that he played a couple games and then we had a break, um, which isn't the best way to get back your sharpness. I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying um, it wouldn't surprise me if that's how it, things turned out, though. If Travis Wara gets the call, um, we have nothing to worry about in that department. Um, we'll have the best goalkeeper in the game regardless. Um Diego Restrepo played for Fort Lauderdale. Um, I think he's first choice this season and I against Edmonton, he was sort of guilty for one goal and then extremely guilty for the other goal. And they lost uh, on Sunday. So, um, you know, he, he is a former United trialist, though. There are a lot of guys on that team with some connection to D.C. United. Well, and he he trained with the team through the season yeah. to kind of help make numbers during training, too. And he's not the only familiar face that Fort Lauderdale will bring up to the soccer plex. Mycon Santos. We're going to walk down memory lane a little bit here. Oh, yeah. Mike Santos. Will it be Mike Santos or Mike Sanders? Well, I I fully expect it to be Mike Sanders. If it's if it's the real Mike on Santos, um, if that guy still exists, then then we may have something to worry about because he could be really good and in a crazy way at times. But hopefully, it's just Mike Sanders. Um, Julius James on this team. Ah, um, Julius James. He's still a professional soccer player, and Nana Atacora. Also playing for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. I I always confuse the Strikers and the Tampa Bay Rowdies. They are, for whatever reason, even though they're not anywhere near each other in the state of Florida, they have I conflate them in my head constantly. They wear hoops. Both both clubs wear hoops. They both wear hoops. Yellow. And both have and both the color yellow. former DC United players. Yes. And Marcelo yeah. Saragossa plays for the Rowdies. I'm disappointed he won't be up here. And Freddie um, Adu. And Freddie Adu, of course. Yeah. And they fired Thomas Rongan as their manager. So the state of Florida is where. Actually, speaking United of Rongan, if I'm, something. if I'm not mistaken, Rongan does occasionally call uh, strikers games on local TV. Um, so it, it just keeps the, the overlap keeps happening. They've got so, some other ex MLS guys that people recognize. They've got Ramon Nunez. Um, uh, Galea Guzamande is, is there. Um, he has an enormous beard now. Um, the one so for the future not, savior of America's defense, uh, or, or maybe the, not future the best cautionary title uh, for avoiding signing with traffic sports. Uh, yeah, the, yeah the, he's the, gone the, incognito the, now with that. The first canary in the coal mine of traffic sports, right. at least in the United States. Uh, so yeah, lots of familiar faces there. Uh, Jason, what should we expect from the strikers in this one? Uh, a kind of a similar approach to how DC plays, actually. Um, they're in sort of a 4-4-2 that is sometimes more of a 4-4-1-1, depending on where Nunez wants to go. Um, he is their equivalent of Lucho Acosta. Um, I do have to say that he didn't look in shape to me uh, watching them play. Um, on Sunday, he looked like somebody who needed to work on his fitness, um, but he's still got the skill on the ball. He's still very inventive. Um, the strikers still have a lot of confidence in feeding him the ball and letting him pull the strings. So United has to shut him down. They have to make sure the space between the lines, um, isn't there for him to, to create, because I think if, if you get physical with him, you you should be able to shut him out of the game. But if you start giving him spaces, he's going to, to create a real problem. He can still hit a shot from a good long distance. Um, he's still got quick feet to get into the box on the dribble. So that's a, a threat we know from, uh, Mike on Santos's time here, what a uh, hammer of a left foot, uh, left foot he has. So that, that's something today. It's going to have to shut down. He only played, uh, 58 minutes, uh, in Edmonton. So I think he's probably going to be fit to start. Um, the NASL is also going on their break. Uh, this, that was their last game of the spring season for them. So they don't have to hold things back for a game on the weekend. So I anticipate a lot of 
the starters that played that because they technically entered that game with a chance to win the title. Um, they would have had to win by I think it was I think they had to score seven goals and win by six um, minimum to overhaul because of the, the the top of the NASL standards was so was standings were so jammed that the strikers finished fifth out of ten and yet they could have won the title on goal difference. Um, had they completely obliterated Edmonton. Um, so they, how many games did you say was in there? It's a 10 game, it's a 10 game season. So there's not much of a uh, chance to really open things up. Yeah. That would explain Um, why it's so tight. Yeah. Yeah. Fort Lauderdale. I've got the standings up now. Fort Lauderdale finished sixth and the Indy 11 won the league with three more points than the sixth place team. Um, and Indy 11's success was based on winning their final game of the season four one. They had to get, the fourth goal uh, to win the title um, to, to steal it. Oh uh, yeah. That's what I want. Goal differential deciding a short well, maybe season. Don't, maybe don't play a 10 game season is the, is yeah. the, the best idea, but uh, no, they're, they're not a bad team. They don't um, give up a lot. Uh, they did have a stretch of time against Edmonton where they looked pretty bad. Um, they, they were hesitant. Edmonton put them under pressure. Um, not, not attacking pressure, but physical pressure. They play. They push their lines up and really try to pressure the ball, and the strikers were not comfortable with that. And really, it was once Edmonton got they, Edmonton went up two nothing in the thirty first minute, and that's when the strikers started to get back into the game. And partially, it was Edmonton saying, "We've got a two nothing lead. Let's just you know, let's be comfortable with it and, and wait for halftime." So they spent fifteen minutes being much more conservative in that regard, in in terms of pressing, and Fort Lauderdale got comfortable. Uh, so United needs to make sure that that doesn't happen um, because the strikers do have some some pretty technical players. They don't have um, they didn't have anyone that catches the eye as like, wow, that guy should be an MLS. But they have a bunch of guys who are very comfortable with the ball. And if you stand off of them, they'll get into a rhythm and then they start to find some spaces that that otherwise they won't. If If you let them get going, they start to look more dangerous. But if you really you stay aggressive with them and you keep them worried on the ball if you keep them having to play faster than they want to play i think that's the the recipe to to getting getting out in front and staying out in front against them because i I think a lot of their players wanted to play a very slow tempo a very patient tempo with edmonton forced them to play uh, a speed that they were uncomfortable with and they made it count um the other thing to look for is definitely uh, some weaknesses in defending inside the box um, it's not that James and Agbusamande are bad in the air. It's that there are spatial mistakes. It looks like there's a lack of communication. Um, Restrepo comes for things he should not come out for. Um, and United needs to make sure that they're there to pounce for those because those mistakes could be easy goals. And we've all seen teams give up easy goals and just fold because it's such a demoralizing thing. And, and when you're the lower division team, demoralizing, you know, a, a demoralizing goal against tends to more or less end the game a lot of times in the open cup. And United, if that falls to United, they need to make sure they take advantage because there's no reason for this game to be very difficult for United if if they don't let it become difficult, basically. Basically, we need to create chances and then finish them, which basically. sounds like most <laughs> soccer games. Yes. <laughs> Go forward and kick the ball into the goal. That's not your goal. I like how I just took your nuanced take and turned it into John Madden. That's what I'm here for. Got to score more points than the other team. I really think that the team that does that is going to win. We will be right back with Alicia Tolar from DynamoTheory.com. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. 
I'll fight my way through this. All right. Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. We are joined now by Alicia Tolar from dynamotheory.com. She's here to help us preview DC United's trip to that swampish hell that is Houston, Texas. Uh, United will travel down there Saturday night. Play The game is at 9 p.m. on News Channel 8 here in the district and on whatever broadcast partner happens to reign in your particular neck of the woods. Alicia, welcome back to the show. How's it going, guys? You know, the usual, uh, drinking, surviving, whatever. Drinking, goats. wrangling goats, the usual. <laughs> yeah. So what are you drinking tonight? Um, I am gin and tonic. So. Nice. What, what kind of gin? Um, I think it's just beef eaters. Okay. It's just, just beef eaters pretty good. Classic you know. English dry. Yep. My so, only... Oh, go ahead, man. No, you. Oh, uh, I was right. going to talk about soccer. We should continue to. Oh, my only, my only um, beef eater take really is that when I was a kid, my friend's parents had in their pool room uh, some of these like de- decorative mirrors, and one of them was a beef eater mirror. And between the name beef eater, which for children doesn't have any, doesn't sound like something that should be alcohol based. We didn't know enough about alcohol. But we were like, I know Beef Eater does not make sense for an alcohol name. And there was a picture of like an English uh, soldier of some kind, but not like the tall black hat soldier is a different English soldier. Um, we thought that that thing was hilarious. And we would la- like we would be in there all the time and we would we would laugh at it every single time. It was always funny to us. And so the name Beef Eater, the gin Beef Eater never really recovered in my eyes. I still kind of am amused by it. I don't actively laugh at it but in my head i'm like it was still kind of funny that guy was silly looking you actively laugh at it in your head <laughs> a little bit just to myself it, it's uh it's a good bit of nostalgia that i i never grew out of the idea that beef eater is a silly name for a alcohol product the way you say it does make it sound funny well, and that's how lie. we would say it that was it's like beef eater and <laughs> like three years of just making fun of it uh, every single time we went to hang out at my friend pat's house so, Alicia, I don't know if you remember, there's there's a thing called Major League Soccer, and I'm not sure I remember what it's like anymore, because with this Copa America break, it's been a minute since MLS has been a thing. That's where you, like, run with the ball in your hands, right? Totally. Downfield. I think it's actually... I actually you throw think it into the net? That's That sounds right. Uh, mostly, I think it's a it's a venue for labor disputes. Oh, I think um, both player and referee. But I thought that's where you get uh, real estate from. They have referees. Yeah, don't don't tell them that. MLS um, is a shipping term, actually. <laughs> and I don't have an exit for this joke, so we're just going to. <laughs> Start talking about the Houston Dynamo now. Alicia, your Dynamo started the year off looking crazy fun. And I, yeah, that was the best segue. They did? I don't even remember that. I remember less than (laughs) I remember what MLS is. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) They were fun. What happened? What happened after like scoring eight goals a game to start the year? Well, what happened is Owen Coyle is Owen Coyle. And he kept changing the lineup and the team started sucking more and more and more. And now he's not there anymore. <laughs> so hopefully he won we'll the suck sack less. race. <laughs> well, what do you know about Wade Barrett at this point? Your new interim manager. He's he's going to be taking over your he's, your guys. And, and what's he going to do? He's actually been with the team for a long time. He was a player with the Dynamo. Um, he won some championships with the Dynamo, right? Won some championships, got some hardware. He's definitely a Dom Kinnear kind of guy. So I think we'll definitely see more of a return to the old school Kinnear style of play, which is really what we still have players for, except for Cubo Torres, who's just the anomaly in all of it. 
Hugo Torres is always the anomaly <laughs> in all of it. True. Um, Alicia, I guess my first question, the, fir- the first game Barrett was in charge of uh, ended up being a 1-1 draw at Dallas that it's kind of hard to take too much from because it was played in a pool uh, rather than on a field. Vancouver. Um, I'm not really sure even how that game kicked off. Uh, that was kind of part of the amusement was that why why are, why is this even being attempted? Um, but I did notice that the lineup was already there's already been an adjustment um, from playing more of a four two three one to bringing Colin Warner in as a deep a deep lying defensive midfielder and really just trying to fight their way through the game. Uh, is that necessary for Houston? Do they have to play that way, or is this um, just sort of part of the feeling out process for Barrett right now? Um, we've had a lot of problems at defensive mid this entire season and in general. Um, so that's definitely been a big area where we've needed improvement. Um, this last lineup has been probably a little different from what we'll see going forward because we were missing Giles Barnes and, you know, even Torres was gone for a little bit with the, his national team. Um, so there was kind of, you know, there were a few players missing for that. Um, which will change things back up again. Um, but I think it'll be more that style of play overall going forward. And I think we'll finally see more consistency in the lineup, which has been a huge part of the problem in my mind. Yeah, I would imagine that just settling on having the same 11 guys play more than twice in a row would be uh, would be something. Uh, because Coyle, like you said, was... Uh, really trying to figure it out by just swapping guys in and out and seeing what it was like, throw it at the wall and see if it sticks kind mm-hmm. of an approach. Um, yep. Which given that his whole, the off season was basically, I'm going to bring in players to play my style of play uh, is kind of not a good sign for him, but he's gone. So I guess it doesn't matter that he's not good. Um, uh, but uh, one thing I've, one thing that was kind of a, a revolving door was, David Horst plays at center back and then his partner was basically any number of people on any given mm-hmm. on any given day. It could be someone new. Um, Barrett went back to Raul Rodriguez. Um, do you think that that's going to stick or is that was that um, almost like, well, um, the other player, uh, Agus, not Jeff Agus, but Agus, um, <laughs> he hadn't been playing well, but it was like, I mean, who really is um, – is that more of a this guy's out of form or is it Barrett making maybe a, uh, you know, planting his flag in the ground saying this is the way I want to go. This is the kind of player I want. I think in some ways we kind of saw a return to the players who were playing before, um, which I think that center back pairing is a pretty good showing of that. Um, with Dan- um which I know could be said of a lot of players, but for him, if he doesn't have a strong partner, his errors increase dramatically. Um, so it's kind of, if you're going to have him on the field, the key is really just finding a strong partner for him. Um, I thought Agus was doing pretty well, um, but I also didn't think Rodriguez had done that poorly to bench him either. So it was kind of like, eh. you know, either I think either player could easily start. I would be more inclined to put Horace on the bench and start the two of two of them and see what happens. But yeah, that was, that was another odd thing that the Dynamo had Rodriguez and then they went out and got two more Spanish players, and then for a while there, neither of them played mm-hmm. at all. Um, I think David Rocha only has what three or four appearances. He. Um, that is what After, I. That's kind of what I, I, I got thought the as well. But a few times we've seen him, for him he didn't to play, play more, very well at all. That has not. Um, happened. So fans have definitely not wanted to see him on the field. Um, part of it mm-hmm. too is Coyle had made some comments about the team not signing the players that he wanted to sign. I think that was a I'm not going to say a huge issue, but definitely an issue internally. Um, a difference of opinion between who Matt Jordan wanted and who Coyle wanted. So you had this weird mishmash of players that Coyle wanted and the players that Jordan wanted. And it didn't mm. necessarily work since Coyle was the one fielding the team at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, 
Mm-hmm. One thing, and a lot of our listeners are familiar with Andrew Wenger from his time with the Philadelphia Union when he was kind of a, a, a subject of jokes mostly. Um, but he he went to Houston and he started the season in basically the form of his life. Um, is he still even close to that in he, your opinion, or is he sort of I was mean, that like a flash in the pan? Now he sort of dropped back off to, of to his Philadelphia Union none level of, the players, of play. Frankly, are that strong anymore. Um, but he's been one of the best players for the Dynamo this season. Um, when they signed him, everyone kind of saw didn't really. No one was particularly thrilled fan wise to get him. Um, but in the end, he ended up. He's been the better, one of the best off season signings that the team has had. Like who would have thought that? Um, <laughs> but he's been great for the team. Um, and he, I, <laughs> I've said a few times where you know in other articles and stuff where he's really been their best player. Like I cannot come up with another player who has played as consistently well as he has. Has he been great every game? No, but none of the players have, you know, for the most part, they've all kind of sucked, which is why we're sitting in the bottom of the West. (laughs) True. Uh, which would be good enough to be, you know, a couple of places higher in the East because we don't have good soccer teams out here anymore. Um, <laughs> I guess my last question is about, yeah, uh, they all relocated and, and or the Western team has managed to get the good players away from, from the Eastern teams. We're all kind of the same at this point. Um, I guess my last question is about Will Bruin, who United <laughs> fans associate with goals scored against DC United. Death. Um yeah, because he, he – I, I think there was a, a point in time where he had like 30% of his career goals were against DC United. Um, how has he been doing, and do you, do you expect him to magically find that same form he has against DC and only against DC, or is he still um, – I, I think earlier in the season when the team was scoring at least, he was looking pretty confident, but as the goals have dried up, is he still – playing well or is he maybe under threat from Torres or, or Giles Barnes if he is fit to play after um, the Copa? With Coyle in there I'd say Torres is no threat to anybody. Um and I don't I don't really know what mm. Barrett's feelings on playing Torres are. Um <laughs> but I think Bruin tends to run hot and cold consistently every year that I've followed him. It seems like he goes on these amazing He goes through a dry period, and Dynamo fans hate him, and he's the worst player ever. And it just cycles back and forth. Um, But you never know when he'll suddenly turn it back on. (laughs) Playing DC could be a great time for him to turn it back on. You never know. (laughs) And I think... No, no thank you. We'd really prefer to it. So uh, (laughs) my first question is about the jewel of Chivas USA that is uh, Kubo Torres. And it, it seems like it, well, I didn't even realize that he hasn't play, scored any goals starters. in league play in two seasons for Houston so far. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I, I was just, is, can he be reclaimed in Houston? Would everybody just prefer it's, to see him move on? It's getting more and more mixed, but fans are starting else, to shift what, towards just getting rid of him. What's up with Kubo? The problem is I don't know if we could get any money back out of him at this point because he hasn't really played. Um, He's looked – you've seen some flashes in the little bit of time that he has played, but I think lack of consistent playing time has hurt him. Um, And he has the same problem that Will Bruin has. They don't get good service out of the midfield. Midfield can't hold on to the ball. doesn't matter who's playing up top if they can't get the ball. Can't score if you don't have the ball. I wish I could relate to that. <laughs> if only we had a team that couldn't hold on to the ball, maybe I would have some sympathy for that. Then <sighs> uh, I guess this just popped into my head. Uh, talking about service it from the midfield, from do you agree with getting rid of Brad Davis? But considering they didn't do anything to really improve the midfield for the most part, I don't, I don't know. We're not really seeing much fruit from letting him go. And it almost was not worth the emotional (laughs) 
trauma of letting go and seeing him in a sporting Kansas City uniform. Horrible. Horrible. Right. Yeah. Um, was it? I mean, any other team would have been way less painful. Yeah, that's what I was going to um, <laughs> But it's where he's from. I get it. You know, FC Dallas would be equally as bad. Yeah. Um, well, FC Dallas. So it's... I. At the, like like I said, at the time, I totally got it. It's a business move. It made sense. But we haven't my, really seen any worth, anything worthwhile come from losing that, you know, losing our captain and emotional um, center point. Yeah. And then my last question is about a player that DC United fans... <laughs> once held close to their hearts, uh, angry Joe Willis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's been, it seems like it's been back and forth between him and Tyler Derrick this year. And where do you think <laughs> um, the goalkeeper situation is right now? And who would you prefer to see I think starting in goal still the number two for, guy. The, for the um, Dynamo? Derrick has been hurt. He was hurt to start the season, um, which is why Willis got the start to kick things off. And then Derrick has got two red cards this year. And so Willis has gotten to play, you know, the two games he had to sit out. Um, so I think, you know, as great as Willis is, I think he's still the number two guy behind Derek. No more questions. You're done. Cut off. So one last question before no we, we let you no go, more. and that is... Maybe, if were... maybe if Ben was going to ask it, but no more questions. <laughs> oh, I don't get one more question. Damn it. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. <laughs> ben, you know what question this is. Go ahead and ask it. So it, this is the question we like to ask to all of our, our guests at the end. If you were in Ben Olsen's shoes and uh, in his sometimes well-dressed and sometimes – Tracksuit shoes. It'll be a, a road game, so it'll be running shoes mostly. So it'll be track. It'll be a tracksuit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it'll be sneakers. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. It to will find be. That's why he does it. Iron in a For hotel. those of you who don't know, he does it because it's comfier Here. on the road, and he doesn't have to pack a suit. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So, how would you game plan uh, uh, the Houston Dynamo? How would you break down the team? Which is and pretty easy to do. Lead United days. to victory. <laughs> Um, honestly, just press, it, they the break down segment. pretty easily, especially if you go down the right side, they're pretty weak. Um, and Beasley has been finding some injuries, illnesses kind of depends on if he's sick or not. Um, I, I assume he's back fine after the long break, but if you press them enough, they'll break. Just score more goals. It'll be fine. Anytime, guys. Okay. Um, you can check out Dynamo Theory. Alicia, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show for us um, again. Uh, why don't account, you tell our listeners Dynamo where they can Theory. find you online? I run that um, as well. So, And then I have my personal account, which is Dynamo TNT. So I'm around. Pictures, sending you guys pictures of goats. Um, I, you are doing I basically well said waiting on this to start yes, sending Adam not. pictures of goats Adam's and making goat puns. But he's so <laughs> I am saying otherwise, and I am not wrong. It was pretty awesome. It was on Slack, so they can't see it. But <laughs> it's so you should go look those up, listeners. No, 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 no. Just, this was in just Slack. Knowing this, this that it gets to him is enough. She's she's not even doing it for public consumption. She's just trying to needle me with goats. <laughs> we did. I know uh, Alicia did. For our listeners, if you want to look through the filibuster podcast timeline, she did send us one photo or one gif of a goat that we did retweet. So it's out there. You don't even have to look hard. Um, <laughs> despite Adam's uh, disdain for the idea. Oh. Just know there are more there, goats behind that. He's going to have to deal with it. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com, where thankfully we do not write very frequently about goats. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at Black and Red U for the website. Send your emails, 
please leave out the goats to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud. Mostly, though, when you're at the bar on Wednesday or at the Soccerplex on Wednesday, uh, at the bar on Saturday watching the games, please tell a friend about us. Just mention us in conversation. That's really how the word gets out, and we appreciate it when you do. For Jason and Ben and thanking Alicia one more time, I'm Adam. We will talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. <laughs> I could, I could just barely get that out. I thought of it. I thought of it like while you were complaining, and it was just in there the whole time. <laughs>